Hello, and welcome to day 46 of A Year of War and Peace. I am Brett. And I'm Logan. And today we are discussing Volume 1, Part 2, Chapter 21, the final chapter of Part 2 of Volume 1 what, what? of War and Peace. What, what? At least in our edition, if you're reading a different edition, that chapter differently. Womp womp. Sorry womp. for you. Womp womp for you, I guess. Should have gotten our edition. Yeah, losers. Big chapter here today. Uh, the conclusion of the Battle of Schoengraben. The conclusion of part two. The soldiers retreat. The artillery retreat from the from the hill after getting Andre's order to fall back. And they fall back through the aftermath of the battle. Wounded mm-hmm. men strewn all about. It's a rough sight. To it be is. Seen up Some here. of them wandering around trying to hitch rides and get because order the order had been gone out to abandon the wounded. Mm-hmm. So they're dragging themselves after the forces that are retreating and trying to hitch rides on the cannons and everything. So horrible. Yeah. Uh, If you remember the cannon, the, or the infantry officer who was with Tushin in the hut Mm -hmm. when they were discussing philosophy, I think way, way back a while ago, far, far back, hitches a ride on the cannon after getting a wound to the stomach, but he unfortunately dies dies while riding on the cannon and they chuck him off as they describe it. Uh, to make wo- to make room, which is taken up by Nikolai, Nikolai. Rostov, who has dislocated his arm, mm. comes out dragging his his limp arm. So he's arm. not he's not getting his arm cut off. Probably not. Although I'd probably not. Probably not. Probably not. I think stuff can bad stuff can still happen. Bad stuff can still happen if you have a dislocated arm, but it's not like an open and festering wound. I don't know. Maybe it can his still get infected somehow. Off, I don't it? think it's going to get cut off though. No. Doesn't it? I don't think so. Doesn't it? I have no idea. I've never read this book before in my life. Liar! I don't think his arm will get cut off. But uh, Nikolai uh, comes up and finds his way, uh, begs for a ride, hitches a ride, and they give him a, they give him the space, the bloodied space where the infantry officer was a moment mm-hmm. ago. Uh, up on the carriage of Matthew's girl, their old, old school big cannon. And Tushin and Nikolai have a little chat. Uh, he says it's just a sprain on his arm there, and they ride on through the retreat. The dark darkness falls, and they are described as an invisible black river of men retreating away from the battle through another village uh, on their way back. The fire begins to die off as they're heading through this village. The French come out and make a last little attack and are driven away, and the Battle of Schoengraben finally concludes. Yes. They signed, uh, actually, a treaty. It's over. The war is over. The war is over. War is over. Napoleon actually got shot by the cannons at one point in the middle of that. Napoleon saw what happened to Little Rook, and it was, a too it much. was over. It was too much. Marengo saw what Marengo, happened. Marengo, and Marengo said, started neighing and talking to Napoleon. My old friend. Little, little Rook. Rook. I didn't want it to end this way. And then he bites off Napoleon's head. Yeah, and he turns he turns coat, and then the retreat comes to a halt somewhere up ahead. Someone called the halt, and so everybody stops and pitches fires and sits down behind. We have all these vignettes of men wandering through, coming and asking for water, sitting down at the fire, getting mad because someone stole a boot, getting into fights. Uh, all the all the kind of dis, disorganized remnants of the Russian diversionary force kind of settling down after the uh, events of the day, and then Tushin. Gets called away to go and see Prince Bagration. Prince Bagration is nearby, uh, hearing reports after the battle and getting the debrief on everything that happened. And everyone's telling him what happened, and they're all being very honest and very truthful. They've never been more honest and truthful in their lives. Never more honest and truthful in their entire lives. And uh, Dolokhov's prisoner is is uh, over in the next cottage. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's been, and it says uh, all the officers were continually flocking to have a look at him. Wee oui, wee. Oui. He's oh. just going wee oui, wee oui, baguette over and over again. <laughs> it's like a Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the general, the Braunau general, Dolokhov's general of his uh, infantry regiment, gives a report and he says that he had withdrawn his men as soon as the French attacked. Uh, hid them in the wood and then launched a counterattack to ambush the French forces. Lies. Which is not mm, not true. Big lie. But I really like the description here that uh, it says this was so much what he had wanted to have done and so much regretted not doing that he seemed to think it had really happened like that. Well, maybe it had. Who could tell in all that confusion what had happened and what hadn't? Mm-hmm. I think it's the, the what's interesting here is the um, the line between you know them kind of just outright embellishing just to pump themselves up and just like the warped they're, perception and also of just what like, actually happened, but also happened. their like lack of control, yeah, over what actually happened, right? Yeah, and like the 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 wanting to have done it and regretting not doing it to the point yeah. that I I wrote down that what was interesting in the last couple of chapters with this the previous chapter and with this one is kind of showing the uh how high stress situations like combat are actually warping the men's minds and their perception of what hap- what is happening in the world around them with like Tushin's yeah. fantasies and now this mis- misremembrance like the kind of yeah. these these like defense mechanisms that their mind starts throwing up changing their own narrative of what happened to to something that's more manageable exciting and well it's also like just like not being able to accept that like these like horrible loss of life mm-hmm. is like possibly your fault. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I thought that was yeah that that was something really really interesting. And then Zerkov gives a false report, <laughs> liar <laughs> as well. Dude, so much of this is his fault too, which is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> not not doing great, Zerkov. Jerk off. Jerkov. Jerkov. Loserkov. But uh, he says the Pavlograd Hussars charged and broke up two infantry squares uh, when really he hadn't seen a Hussar all day, it says. <laughs> and then everyone expects Zerkov to tell a joke. No jokes. No jokes from Zerkov. He feels bad, and he should. Everybody everybody should feel bad. They shouldn't. They had a, they had a, big, they had a big task ahead of them today. Zerkov should feel bad. Zerkov should feel a little bad. But then uh, uh, Bagration congratulates everyone, says they all did great. They're brilliant. And then he wonders what happened to the and two cannons like, that got destroyed. You are all great, except for you, Tushin. What happened to our cannons? He was he, he did the Abby Lee Dance Company uh, pyramid, and Tushin was at the bottom of the pyramid. <laughs> 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 he asked the staff officer what happened, and the staff officer is like, well, I was there all day, and... And the Obviously I was there. And, and I walked, I left for like a minute at the end. And, and then and I guess he must have, he must have screwed it all left. up as soon yeah. as I left. And then Bergeron is like, oh, Andre, you went there too, didn't we? And the staff says, oh, oh, of course you did. We must have just missed each other. And Andre says, I yeah. didn't have the pleasure of seeing you. And he looks at him with half-lidded eyes and he's like, and he's smoking, obviously. <laughs> he's and it's a, suddenly now it's a film noir. He's in the corner. And he's like, I didn't have the pleasure of seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, finally, Tushin comes in to clarify everything. He comes in and he's a little bit nervous. And he I would trips be too, over- man. He-, I would be- he was like, honestly, for the stress that he's under and all these guys like lying about what happened, he's handling it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in, he trips over the flagstaff. It gets laughed at by all the officers, and the migration asks him what happened to his cannons, and he finally realizes the situation that he's in, 
He stammers, says he didn't have the men. Bagration says he should have gotten them from his cover. And Tushin doesn't want to say that the cover hadn't been there because he didn't want to get any of the, of the other officers in trouble. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of sits there silently, not saying and anything. And then Andre comes through. And Andre, the goat. Goated. The goat comes through and uh, he says, um, when I got there, two thirds of the men and horses were dead or wounded and none of the uh, cover was there whatsoever. And then he says that, uh, that the triumph today is owed more to the action of Tushin's battery than to anybody else. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it is. Yeah. None of these other guys are doing anything. <laughs> maybe the uh, maybe the um, unit that Dolkov was in. Yeah, yeah. Andre's like, Tushin's, Tushin's goaded. Tushin's my boy. Losers. And you aren't going to say nothing about my yeah. boy Tushin. My boy Tushin. And uh, Bagration doesn't really have anything to say to that. Uh, says uh, he's dismissed Tushin with a clear, with a nod. And Tushin thanks Andre. And then Andre walks off without Andre's saying like anything. Andre's like really chill about it. He's yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but I, I really like this uh, at the very end of Andre's segment. He was feeling bitterly disappointed. It was all so strange, so unlike what he had been looking mm-hmm. forward to. Um, he's just, he's disappointed by... So now he's having a bad time too. He is in his own, in in his his own, own little way. way. Andre's always having things in his own little way though. It's so true. He's such a special little boy. He is a real special little boy. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so Andre is, is let down. It seems like the the Andre's big disillusionment seems to be on the on the back end of the war with uh, the diplomacy and now the bureaucracy between the officers and all the kind of the rather than where Nikolai is the front line of seeing the horrors of war on the front. Andre is seeing the horrors of bureaucracy. Yeah. And of, of men's of people, failing yeah. and their interactions and the organization and the communication between all of these different groups of people yeah. that make up the I think the, it's the it's front. just like a moral he's having a moral quandary almost like mm-hmm. realizing that people aren't treating each other the way that he believes they should honorably be treating. Right. Yeah. Right. Well his and where his uh, his idea of, you know, the noble stand of war and men fighting and and dying to protect or defend or whatever is actually just a lot of politicians and officers and, you know, corporate mm-hmm. men basically doing their best to the retain their baddies. Yeah. Doing their best to like retain their positions and get promotions. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like any other job, but people are all are dying as a result of the decisions that are being made basically. And then, uh, we go over to Nikolai who is laying by the fire alone. Tushin is gone, still away. He's waiting for a doctor. He is. Well, he's waiting for somebody. Anyone! <laughs> uh, and he's laying there with all these soldiers around him, wounded. He dozes off, and he dreams of home, um, dreams of people from back home, and he, they take the form of this soldier that's pulling on his arm and twisting it, and he wakes back up, and there's a naked man sitting at the other side of the fire across yes. from him. And then... As Andre's Andre's laying there, the snow snow begins to fall around them as he's laying there. It's like a beautiful scene. It is in this in this darkness in this uh, in this little firelight while these soldiers are moving around. It's perfect end of an episode. It really it really is. The camera's like slowly panning up and he's or like coming up from on top, like shooting down at Mm -hmm. him. Yeah, and he's lying there, and this naked guy's like going about his (laughs) his routine, and he's lying there, and it comes up from his face. And just like into the sky, and then yeah. it goes into darkness. It's really wonderful. Uh, the vi- the final pa- passage there for Nikolai is: uh, he gazed into the snowflakes swirling above the fire and thought of Russian winters at home, warm and bright, snug in his cozy fur coat with a speeding sledge, rude health in his family, with all their love and tenderness. And he wondered, why did I ever come here? 
That's what I think about LA. <laughs> Actually, like almost almost twice a day. <laughs> you and Nikolai are kindred spirits. Why did I ever come here? That's yeah. what we that's what we were all asking before you left, Nikolai. That is that was our that was our question. Why, why are you going there? Where, yeah, why did you why did you go there? Because of Boris. I also wrote where my is notes. Boris? That's I wrote in my notes. Where the fuck is Boris? Where, literally, where is Boris? We've moved, made this whole deal about him getting kitted out. <laughs> we did the math, trying to figure out how much it costs him to get hit, and he's not even here. Where is he? I don't know. You'd think that they would have gone together into like right? the Hussars or whatever. Where's, uh, where's Boris? Boris? Where did where's he? he where did he go? I don't know. Maybe we'll see him. Where in the world is Boris? Maybe we'll see him later. I don't know. I guess he was the one main character not part of the diversionary action. <laughs> Or anything up until this point. Yeah, now he's irrelevant to me. Yeah. He's a loser. Maybe his mom spent all that kit money on betting on the Super Bowl and lost, and so he he ended up not being able to go. Womp womp. Womp womp. (laughs) And Mikhailovna did not want the Chiefs to win. (laughs) Sorry, Super Bowl spoilers. (laughs) But yeah, we concluded uh, Nikolai Lang wounded in the darkness. And uh, then he says that the French did not renew the attack the next day. And the remnant of Bagration's attachment joins back up with Kutuzov's army. And uh, the retreat continues. So all that just to buy a little bit of time for the rest of the Russians to to maybe make it somewhere where they can make a stand against the French. All that for Little Rook to die. All that. Little Rook. Little Rook gave his life. And that's the end of part two. The end of part two. So in part three, should we get a little teaser of what we might see? Yeah, in part, part three, three, it seems like we're back in Russia. So yeah, we'll get a little. We'll catch up with uh, with uh, our buddies in Moscow. Catch up with Pierre. Yeah. I have very exciting news for you. Big A will be making an appearance in part three. No way. Yes, yes, he will. The Scarlet Letter himself. <laughs> he is the Scarlet Letter. Let's be real. He is. That's what it stands for. It doesn't stand for adultery. It stands for, for Anatole. Anatole. <laughs> uh, and then we will, I believe in part three, we will conclude the campaign of 1805. Oh. We will, we, will, um, we will wrap this little campaign up and we'll be, that'll be, that part three is our final part of volume one. Oh boy. So once we finish part three, we'll be on to volume two. Volume we'll be a quarter two. of the way through the book. Wow. By, should be by the end of... March? By the end of March. By probably mid-March. That's crazy. By the um, Ides of March. So we're almost there, everybody. Well, pat yourself on the back for making it this far. If you haven't yet, give yourself a little pat on the back. Reading a I big, myself on the back. Reading a big, scary book. And you're learning. And we're learning. And you're learning that books aren't, don't have to be that scary just because no. they're long. Sometimes they're really kind and gentle if you give them a chance. Sometimes they're about war. And sometimes they're about peace. That's true. We'll get a little taste of peace next time. Hey, hey, a little taste of peace. peace. And then we'll go back to the war and wrap it up. Womp womp. All right. Rankings. Rankings. Um, Do we want to update the the hot or not list or is there enough enough development here to warrant that? I feel like we can update the hot or not list. Okay. We don't have a whole, uh, we, we didn't see some of these characters this part. So you just tell me if there's anything you want to change. The hotter knots of of war. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do one for this part. But our complete hotter knot list currently, as as of the end of part one, is Andre, Maria Bolkonsky, Pierre, Nikolai Rostov, and Natasha Rostov. Yeah, I still stand by that. You stand by that. All right, let's do. Let's spotlight some characters just from part two. Then Uh, I'll come up. I'll come up with this on the fly here. We have Denisov. Okay. Dolokhov. Okay. Tushin. 
Bilibin. Okay. And Telianine. Okay, Telianine's last. Okay. Easy. What? No love no love for Telianine? No, no love for Telianine. What? Oh, my um, God. And then Dolokhov, because he committed a hate crime. Dolokhov's oh, above Telianine. Yeah, above Telianine. Wow. Wow. No Telianine, Telianine is so bad. Dude, that, he, <laughs> like, that scene made me so physically uncomfortable. He's, like, crying at the table. Weird. <laughs> Whack. Um, and then probably Tushin. And then Bilibin. And then Denisov. Mm, big Denisov fan. Huge Denisov fan. I love him. He's the best, low-key. Yeah. I one love, of the best I, characters this chapter, or this I love, part. I love Denisov. He's one of my favorite characters in, in like, the book. Yeah. I always, I always remember Denisov. I will remember Denisov. I will remember Denisov I with will. his woticism. He's my favorite. He's one of my favorites. I love, I love Denisov. He's so fun. He's so fun and cool and daring and dashing. I know. He's just so, like, he's so hero. He's such a man. He's so hero. He's so he's man. So man he's masculine hero. ideal, honestly. He's so man hero. It's crazy. Yeah, he's the best. He's my number one. He's the best. He's um, the best. We the best. What do you have in second? Bilibin? Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> Tushin looks like um an old man to me. Uh, spectacles. And not enough. in like a hot, like silver fox way. Mm, fair enough. He's he's repeatedly described as diminutive. So And then Tushin, because I like his personality. Mm. And then the other two. <laughs> the, the cabooses. Yeah, the cabooses. The cabees. Bringing up the rear. <laughs> You're a sucker for his Bon Mots. That's what Billabit's got for you. Dude, he, he did me in with those Bon He He came macked. up with We've Been Macked, and I never looked back personally. So. Billabit can mack me anytime. He macked me. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Okay, so our final uh, part two Hot or Not ranking is uh, Denisov, Billabin, Tushin, Tol- Dolikov, and then Telianine. Yeah. All right. You yeah. heard it here first. Heard it here first, everybody. Yeah. You can quote me on that. It's official. All right. Bye, everyone. All right, that is the conclusion of part two. See you next week for part three. Tomorrow, not next week. Shit. (laughs) See you tomorrow for part three. See you tomorrow to begin to return to Moscow. To Moscow.